I'm delighted to be joined by the wonders of technology uh, on Zoom here by former Peachtree United midfielder Helgi Danielson. Helgi, first and foremost, you're staying safe in these troubling times? Yeah, yeah, I'm pretty safe here. It's it's quite calm at the moment. We've uh, seem to have it under under fairly good control, so I'm 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 alright. Um, I wanted to talk to you about your, your career at Peterborough because um, obviously I think you came over quite young. Was it always a dream of yours to to sort of play in the English league? Yeah, of course. Uh, English football has always always been number one in Iceland and the one that everyone follows and everyone has a team and uh, so. Yeah, England would have been great, but any I just I was desperate to go somewhere, you know, to try and train more and, and improve faster. I was I mean I was only seventeen when I went over, but uh yeah, it was it surprised me a lot. A lot of people were a bit skeptical because they'd never heard of the club. They were in uh division three then, so the fourth tier. But uh when I came there and they, they were obviously the only lower league club with uh academy and we were playing against I mean I played against Liverpool on my trial which is my club uh played against Steven Gerrard in my first game so he was obviously not even famous then but uh yeah I decided to jump on it when they offered me a contract and and I knew I could improve. You say you, your trial game was against Steven Gerrard uh did you did could you tell there did you get close to him was it did you kick him what did you go for? Uh I don't really remember him that much I remember them talking about him before the game that he was uh, obviously an up-and-coming player. He would have been, yeah, the same age as me, I think 17, 18 then. He was obviously very good, but we had a great team. We we drew 2-2. It was a, a good game. But uh, then obviously a year or two later, he was already well-known everywhere. But uh, no, just to get to train every day uh, and play against teams that I sort of, clubs that I, I knew was just a, yeah, a great experience for me. Yeah, it's weird because some sometimes when people go on trial, if they're in their own country, there's obviously a lot of pressure on a trial. You want to impress. It's like a job interview, I guess. Particularly yeah. when, you, when you come across from a different country to try and impress. Did you feel a little bit of pressure to try and perform or were you someone that was always quite level-headed? Uh, no, it was obviously I was nervous and I'd never been on trial before. And also the atmosphere and sort of the the banter and everything to do with, I, I was stuck in a, not stuck. I was thrown into a house with like 15 other guys in digs. We live all together. You know, guys from Wales, Northern Ireland, England, wherever. So it was more the the culture shock. I I think training went well in the games I played. I played two friendlies, went fine. So I, I realized that I could compete with them, the football. I don't remember worrying so much then when I was playing. I think I just enjoyed it. But the culture was very, very different. But I... I've always wanted to, yeah, like to try new things and experience it. And worst case, I would have just flown back home and, you know. I mean, in terms of the language, obviously you speak perfect English now. Did, did you speak perfect English then? Uh, not not perfect. It's still not perfect. I'm, I mean, I'm married to a, a Peterborough girl now. I've been for a long time, so I've been with her for almost 20 years now. And we have kids together, so English is almost my first language and has been yeah for these 20 years but uh yeah I, I quickly learned what I what I didn't know already you know the sort of the swear words and and a bit more yeah but, uh, yeah my English was was fairly, fairly good when I when I moved over 
Yeah, you say you're married to, to Peterborough girl now, so uh, was there a big decision? Do you stay in Peterborough or do you go back to Iceland? How did, how did that conversation go? Did you sort of go, I'll tell you what, we've got, we've got great views of Northern Lights, etc. You've got Queensgate and the cathedral. Uh, how, how did that conversation go? Well, when I decided to leave, I, I was sort of fed up with football a little bit. It was a little bit, yeah, towards the end there. I, I wanted to move back. I wanted to go to university and... Uh, but my my wife was actually going to university in in London, so I I actually came on my own to Iceland, and we spent a year, a year and a half, sort of distance relationship. But then she got fed up of that, and she moved to Iceland, and she'd already visited a few few times, and she she liked the country. And when you're young like that, is it's not it wasn't a big decision then because it was just the two of us and a, a suitcase, you know. Yeah. Now things like things like that are much more complicated. Um, in terms of your your first team experience at the football club, obviously, I think you. Um, I remember your game against Tranmere, and obviously scoring um, twice in that game as an eighteen-year-old. I think um, you were probably drafted in for that game. I think it was a, um, a very comfortable win in the end. Do, do you remember much about the games that you played in, or, or is it all a bit of a blur? Yeah, it is a bit of a blur, and I'm I'm not one to revisit games and watch videos that much. I don't even remember how. A game, you know, last year, our results last year here, I don't even remember, but I remember obviously scoring two goals because that was a, I think, only league goals I scored. I scored a cup goal against Bournemouth, which was, mm-hmm. was I remember, it was a nice header from a corner, I think, but the Tranmere games were, game was like the only sort of strong memory of a game, also because Leon scored a hat-trick and it was an evening game, I remember I was moving house, so I'd been building furniture all day. And I was, you know, you would think you would get tired from working all day, but somehow I had more energy and, and sort of felt really good in that game. That's, uh, that's the motto for young kids, isn't it? You see, you don't sit on your backside and watch TV in preparation for the games, get the flat back out. No, but that, that's exactly, that's what I feel now. Now, I, I quit playing football for three years. But when I moved back to Iceland now, I started playing again. Uh, with a full-time job and I feel better than you know before mm. so I don't know it's it's strange you, you you try to rest as much as you can to be 100% in a game but I, I remember so many times traveling and sitting on a bus or sitting in a hotel and doing nothing and you're completely lethargic when it comes to the game so at the moment I would never take a day off when I have a game in the evening I'd rather work have my routine work the whole day so your sort of body is active and, and I think it, it works better for me at least. Yeah, you, you mentioned Leon McKenzie scored a hat-trick in that game. Obviously, Leon um, was a, a prolific striker at the time. Um, what, what, what can you remember? Because I think you played off him in that game. You sort of played as the, I suppose, the newfound number 10. But Leon was a, a, yeah. a striker that could pretty much do a lot. Yeah, yeah, he was great. And he had a... I don't remember how many goals that year, but... We obviously had good good strikers. We had Andy Clark was also scoring goals for us, even though he was getting towards uh, the last last years of his career. But uh, I think I, I never really played as a, a ten. I played in midfield, but sometimes it was split. One was mm. offensive, one was defensive. So I think I don't remember specifically being told to be more offensive than anything, but it sort of just worked out. It was a really open game, and and. We had a lot of opportunities, so. 
What do you remember about the, the rest of the, the dressing room in terms of the players that were in there? Because it was quite a, a weird mix of people, weren't there? I think Jimmy Bullard was there probably at the time. I'd imagine that yeah. he, was, he was someone that kept you on your toes. Yeah, yeah. I have uh, probably most of my best stories are, are related to Jimmy, both on and off the pitch. So it's uh, no, no, I, I think the, the atmosphere was great. The guys were great. I know it was. It was a mix of all our, us, sort of the youth players coming up and then, or maybe compared to a lot of clubs, we had more sort of youth coming through and getting the chance because we had an academy at that level. But, I mean, I really enjoyed the old guys then, you know. Some of them were extremely professional, some of them weren't. But it seemed to be on a Saturday, they, they seemed to sort of switch it on. Some guys were never training, but they, like Andy Clark, for example, he would train on a Friday and then play Saturday and score. But uh, no, it, it was it was great sort of, great all-round atmosphere. And, and Jimmy sort of lifted it to a, another level, I think. Not just because he was, he was obviously great on the pitch, but he was sort of always busy, had a lot of energy. And obviously you remember some of your first interviews with him. Yes. Did yes, you, they, were, they, you, were you starting when I came, or did you start? I, I started at the club in two thousand and one. So um, I okay. uh, I'm coming up well twenty years next year, and and speaking to obviously players that were around in that sort of time, they they always mentioned Jimmy and then cut off. It's almost like it's a legal obligation that you can't say too much about what Jimmy did in the dressing room. No, I'm happy to talk about it. There's nothing nothing like that. But I mean, I, I'm a very uh, sort of calm person and, and I don't get into fights and I've never been into any sort of big arguments like that but he's the only person that I've actually tried to punch and I, I missed so we were in training and and you know he likes to just he's on you he could be moaning or he could be just sort of you know the banter and you I had a bad day or something and it just got to that point that I actually just swung at him in the middle of training and completely missed and he, he called me Mike Tyson for like months after that and you know extremely embarrassing for me but uh yeah I think story. everyone says as well that um jimmy on a night out was uh, was a nightmare not not because what you think he just couldn't handle his drink he was like someone who'd had like two drinks and he'd be absolutely hammered yeah. it, 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 no, it, he was like he was like 50 kilos he was like the thinnest smallest guy ever and he, he was you know drinking like a, a proper londoner you know but uh he just had that I mean, he is hyperactive. I don't know if he's diagnosed or not, but he, he was completely hyper, which could be fun. And obviously, he could go over the top. But, I mean, most people still sort of laugh about it. It didn't, it wasn't, I know they moaned about him. Some of the older guys probably then, he always wanted the ball and he was hammering people for not mm. giving him the ball and stuff like that. Even guys that have been playing for 20 years, you know. But... It was still, it was just, he was competitive and, you know, it showed that how he sort of rose quickly through the ranks after that. Obviously, Mark Tyler was the, the, the goalkeeper, I think, during your time. And obviously, he's yeah. on our coaching staff now. He's still not said that R word, the retire. He's still technically classed as a player at the age of whatever he is, 40, 41. Um, Tyler's it was always been described as A, having the same haircut and B, yeah. quite, quite a boring guy. Is that how you would sum him up? I don't know. That's the thing, because I didn't really spend any time with him off the pitch. But they used to, yeah, they used to call him something like that, you know, boring Tyler, especially Jimmy with 
you know the jokes, but uh, for me, it was just a extremely professional player, and you could see sort of just the way he walked around, handled himself. He was very confident without being, you know, he was not arrogant at all. He was just super down to earth professional player. And I think when I came there, he'd already been in youth national teams or something like that. So you could see maybe just his height, he could have been, you know, Premier League goalkeeper because he was a super keeper and an extremely, yeah, professional. So I wouldn't say anything negative about someone that I don't know in, in his personal life, but he, he might appear boring, yeah. In terms of missing home, when you were in, when you were in England during that period of time, was it hard? How, how much did you miss your homeland? Yeah, it was. I mean, at times, I, I lived in Diggs first, and I was sort of, I moved around a lot. I was probably in three or four different places. Uh, and I am a bit of a sort of, loner and I have sort of different hobbies and, and things to a lot of the players so I, I was a little bit isolated I would spend a lot of time just at home you know on the internet when it just just came out the internet playing guitar and listening to music and 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 studying and doing stuff like that so but I wasn't probably social enough uh with everyone else and until I sort of yeah I met my now wife things changed a little bit obviously then you say you play the guitar. I, I seem to remember you with the guitar, actually. You, you, you're quite good now? Uh, I don't play so much now. I used to be good. I was good when I was a teenager. And, and around that time, I, I played a lot. But uh, it's taken the back seat now. Um, in terms of international football, you, you obviously played quite a lot of games for Iceland. Um, but I, I guess part of you thinking, well, if, if your career had been 10 years later, given the emergence of Iceland as a, as a force in, in European football, you know, you could have been playing at European Championships and, and all that kind of stuff. Are you proud of what Iceland are doing now? And when you represented Ireland, was it Iceland, was it such a proud moment for you to do so? Yeah, yeah absolutely. I mean, I literally retired three or four months uh, before they qualified for the, the first championship, for the, the Euros first. Mm. So I was actually in the squad for the first few qualifiers. So I was involved in that team that went the first Euro so all my friends were there and but uh, I had sort of dropped out of the national team by then so I wasn't really and I had sort of planned on retiring anyway so I yeah it's frustrating to just miss it like that but I I was fortunate enough to be in the first team when Lars Lagerbach came and took over mm. and started changing everything so those years were, were great and in the qualifiers two years previous we just lost in the playoff to Croatia you know, we're only one one game away from qualifying in the previous tournament. So, yeah, the success had already sort of started there. But, yeah, it, it's still, it was just nice to watch and, and follow them. And, and some of my good friends were playing. So, I don't have any, I'm not bitter about it like that. Uh, mm. Because I, I knew I was I was sort of finished internationally then. In terms of the side you played during your international career, who, did, who was the best player you came up against? Up against? Uh, well, we, we played Portugal. You know, we played Ronaldo and we played against Zlatan in Sweden, Sweden and we played Holland when they were really good. So they were, yeah, they were obviously great moments. But uh, yeah, so, so Ronaldo, obviously the best player, I think, by far. But... I was on the bench for a lot of sort of the bigger games, didn't really get to get into contact with them. But uh, 
no, just the whole that extra aspect of being an international also is it's just something I'm extremely happy that I got to experience and for even though I didn't play that many games, I was involved in the team for ten, twelve years overall. Yeah, who was your hero growing up? Uh Robbie Fowler was actually my uh yeah, one of my heroes, but uh seen it in Sudan probably as well. Yeah. Um and a couple of Icelandic guys. Yeah, in terms of when you obviously moved moved back back home when you left Peterborough, obviously you played in a, in a couple of leagues. Was that a good experience to sort of sample different lifestyles? Yeah, yeah. I mean, when I left Peterborough, I just went to Iceland to play for my home hmm. home club, you know, which is still the top division here, but it's still semi semi pro league. Uh, but then when I got the chance to a couple of years later to go to Sweden. Uh, no, it was great because I played for three teams in Sweden over seven years and the football there is obviously a lot higher level than in Iceland and, and I had my best years during that time. Uh, and then, yeah, I got to play in Germany for a little bit and, and Denmark and Portugal. So overall, yeah, I've, I've had to sort of quickly adapt to different cultures and situations, but, but it's been yeah, extremely rewarding, I think, to, to get to travel and, and, and try all that. Yeah. And, and you say you've obviously you retired now you're playing football again now whilst you're doing your job what, what's your current job and how did you get involved in that uh well when i moved back from peterborough i started studying uh chemistry at the university here mm-hmm. and then when i went to sweden i i was able to finish it just through distance learning just sort of slowly with football because i as a football player from iceland you, you it's unlikely you're going to be living off your wages and be a you know one of them Guy, so so I knew I was gonna have a career after football, something unrelated, and that's what I wanted to do. Uh, and then I finished my masters when I was uh, in Portugal in my last year in uh, medicinal chemistry. Uh, and uh, so I started two years ago here in Iceland at the hospital, University Hospital in Reykjavik, and we we make radioactive uh, medicines or radiopharmaceuticals for uh, cancer diagnosis. So it's Pretty, yeah, for me, exciting. It's uh, something new here in Iceland. Uh, and, yeah, I'm, I'm really, really enjoying it. I'd, I'd imagine, I mean, it's, it's, it's you know, as you say, a lot of people don't make a career in terms of a lifetime career out of football unless they play at the highest level, whether that's in Iceland or even over here. You, you know what the wages are like at Peterborough. You're not going to get a, a massive amount. So, no. I, I guess you have to plan for the future. Do, are you getting more reward out of the job you do now potentially than what you did as as a player or enjoyment I suppose the right word uh, I mean it's very different because I'm at my age now fo- football I'm playing football now as a, a side thing I'm still playing at a good level here the, the highest level here but my job is my main you know that's what I get paid for football is a uh, because I still enjoy it but uh, I don't know it's it's hard to compare it when you're young and you love football it's obviously it can be the best thing in the world but it can, it's also extremely stressful and can be there are big ups and downs uh having a job like this which is interesting and stable uh there are not that many ups and downs in it so it's for your sort of mental health it's it's better uh and i mean working at a hospital and providing service to cancer patients and things like that it also gives it a little extra value that you're doing something to help people so 
it's very hard to compare the two. But so um, that's why I'm trying to do both at the moment. Um, and just finally, we say we, you know, I'll always remember you at Peterborough, obviously because obviously I was there, but also I remember your style of football and also the fact that, as you say, you're probably the only Icelandic player to ever play for Peterborough. You might not look back at that time and think that was the most brilliant time for me, but because you married a, a girl from Peterborough, I guess throughout your life you're always going to have some kind of affinity with the city. Yeah, yeah, and that's the reason why I've, I've come back so often. Now her her parents have moved away from Peterborough, so she has a sister there still, but I don't get to visit as often. But I mean, I still have friends outside of football in Peterborough, and when I go back, I try and go and watch games and things like that. So I always have maybe more of a connection to Peterborough than some of the other clubs I played for. And yeah, I mean, I'll I'll still always enjoy Peterborough. I, I love going back there and. You know, reminiscing. I lived in loads of different areas in in Peterborough, so I know the city very well. And and obviously, being young there, I used to go out with the guys. So I had sort of that time in my life as a you know late teens, early twenties. I was there, so I, I obviously, yeah, I have. Even though I left sort of on bit of a downer when I moved back to Iceland, I still have mostly good memories from 